Hey everyone, this is Flippin' Finance. I'm Sam Moore, and I'm joined by my co-host Fabian. Hello, hello. Today is February 17th, 2023, and today we're covering known unknowns. So we're going to unpack that uh, a little bit. We're also joined by Stella. You might hear her purring. She is uh, co-hosting as well today. So with that, Fabian, kick the disclosure music. As always, none of this is investment advice and does not constitute an offer to buy or sell securities, nor do any of my opinions reflect those of my employer, Valeo Financial Advisors, or any of its affiliates. This is for educational purposes only, and we are lazy, so we have no duty to revise any of this information. With that out of the way, Fabian, how was Valentine's Day? I missed it was, you. It was great. I missed you, you too, up. buddy. Uh, we we stayed home. I made some ribeyes. I did a reverse sear. Have you ever heard of a reverse sear? Yeah. Yeah. And I actually preferred that method a lot less smoke in my house uh, than typically when I try to cook a steak. And uh, I, this is the first time where I actually got the steak doneness correct for the way that Kristen likes her steak. I used a meat thermometer, which I used to be very against. Nice. Uh, I don't know why, but oh, yeah, no. man. It, it I'm was very nice. pro meat, meat thermometer. <laughs> and you were, it's uh, like it- were, you guys were not here for, for Valentine's Day, right? No, um, I have to stay engaged and Austin requires a uh, sun. So uh, Indiana doesn't really have a lot of sun this time of year. So we went to uh, Mexico with some friends. We got some, I don't know, Paradise Pass or something uh, discounted at, at this resort and it ended up being really good. And uh, I'm pretty, I missed a, like a little spot right here <laughs> on the sunscreen. It's a little burn in my forehead, but uh, no. do it again. In Mexico, did they go all out for Valentine's Day? Like, did they make a big thing about it at the resort? They didn't. They went all out for the Super Bowl, interestingly enough. So, like... Oh, wait, you got to watch the Super Bowl there? Yeah, they... Yeah, it was almost like a wedding reception that they set up for the Super Bowl. Like, they were setting it up by the pool type of thing on this kind of raised platform. And I was like, oh, that looks like a nice wedding reception. And then they put like this big kind of TV screen up. And I was like, oh, snap, this might be for the Super Bowl. Um, so they had it outside and they had like a buffet. Oh, that's it was so very cool. American. That's so it was cool. like horrible American food, hot like dogs? hamburgers and hot dogs. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no. I'm like, I don't want any of this. Were they putting mayonnaise on the hot dogs? No, you got to do it. Yeah. It's going to make your own. But they had a little taco bar. So that, that was really good. That's awesome. Oh, yeah. Um, and then like, you know, they had like roses out for the Valentine's thing. So I might have had a few drinks and like gone around ha- handing out, you know, roses to random strangers. That's very nice of I, you. I, you know, I'm just a thoughtful guy. That's right. <laughs> Not only are you tall um, and good looking, but you're thoughtful too. Wow. What a catch. Yeah, I try. That's right, Austin. Be <laughs> um with that, I, uh, I was thinking about what, what to write again for this this week. And I, I want to build on a theme that is kind of we had from two episodes ago and, and last episode. But it was your question co- kind of combined with a listener question of like, why does the market move during some of the events? So you asked that when we were talking about the Federal Reserve. And I thought I could kind of continue that theme and unpack it because we had some more, more news come out last week uh, on it. So I kind of called this this episode, known unknowns. So you have known knowns, 
it's like from a famous uh, Rumsfeld quote. I think he was like secretary of state or something like that. I don't know. But he said, there's no knowns. So things, you know, that, you know, um, the market's not really going to move with those type of things. Then there are known unknowns. So a known unknown is uh, like the inflation report. We kind of know it's going to come out. We have a guess of what it'll be. But, you know, there could be a surprise in the data that uh, the market changes its view on. And then there's like unknown unknowns. And that would be more like something like COVID or kind of what they would call a black swan, something you can't really predict. So can't really do much about unknown unknowns. You don't really spend a lot of time there. Known unknowns don't really impact things, but you can plan around them. For example, a known known is like Roth IRA contributions. If you're over 50 or $7,500, that's a known known. But like no one gets really excited about that. And then there's known unknowns. So that is exactly what we had last week. We had uh, Jay Powell, Jerome Powell, um, the chairman of the Federal Reserve. He gave a talk. We also had the inflation report. So I'm going to dive into those a little bit and talk about how the unknown part of that impacts the market and kind of the future and, and all that on there. So when people get a little confused that why are mortgage rates moving differently than like what the Fed is doing, like shouldn't mortgage rates be going up because the Federal Reserve is is moving up? And this kind of gets into that where people don't really understand or don't spend the time that I have and others where with the market is changing with new information that's changing the future expectations. So right now, the, the market is expecting X amount of interest rates, hikes, and then for it to tailor down over time. And that's how mortgage rates are kind of factored in. We have a whole episode on that. Uh, we can link it in the show notes. But then there is also where we currently are. And there's the, 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 the changing of the future expectations is the real unknown on that. So have I, have I butchered my explanation yet? Should I? Or no, but I, I think kind of are, what are, are you saying with like the, the mortgage rates? Is there, is there kind of like a lag? Is that what I'm hearing? Like where the fed rates will go up kind of immediately. And then as a reaction, then mortgage rates kind of like follow that kind of hike. Yeah. So it's just like, we know that the Federal Reserve is going to raise rates type of thing. So that's already factored into mortgage rates. But what changes with mortgage rates is the Fed is still going to raise one one hike in in March in a couple of weeks. But you could actually have mortgage rates fall because the future expectation for rate hikes and rate cuts changes. So you could have like, we know there's a rate hike coming in a month, but the future is in flux and the mortgage rates and the markets are are not looking at the next month. They're looking at the future expectations mm. for what things will change. So you could have the, the Federal Reserve uh, still hike and you could have rates fall type of thing. Interesting. Yeah. So that's kind of what I'm going to get into is – so my, my, my favorite person being a, a one-armed economist is Jerome Powell, who I just mentioned. He's the chairman of the Federal Reserve. He's the one that's leading all the, the talks and the communication and the strategy for monetary policy for, for the United States now. Um, won't really apologize for having a crush on him, but he is the most influential central banker out there. So that's why we call him Jay Powell in our household. But he isn't actually a classically trained economist. So that's a little interesting fact in there. And he gave a talk last week, the first conference of, of, of the year. And he pretty much summarizing his 15 minute speech in, in 20 seconds, 
he continued to reiterate that he wants to see interest rates higher for longer. So the market is currently expecting there to be two rate cuts later in the year. So he's going to raise once more to, it's going to be to um, 5%. And then the market's expecting two rate cuts down to 4.5 later this year type of thing. And he keeps reiterating to the market, hey, those future expectation rate cuts that you think are going to happen, I'm not doing them. It's kind mm-hmm. of a little, little game of chicken in, in a way type of thing. He wants to see certain things in the economy not get too hot, and he wants to see inflation come down type of thing. Why so does this person is, have so much power? This is this is messed up. Uh, well, what's, in, what's even more interesting is uh, he is not an elected official. He is appointed. <laughs> uh yeah, it was just like a, into a whole thing. But I mean, like he has so much power because he controls the cost of money, which is interest rates. That's that's why he has so much, quote unquote, power. And also, they aren't really ruled by politics. I mean, they are a little bit, but like they try to be pragmatic economists. And, you know, if they think inflation's too high and they want to bring it down, they raise rates Oof. by pressing a button. This reminds me of the debt ceiling thing. When you said the chicken, it's just like, who's going to move first? Exactly. Yeah, exactly. So classic game of chicken right here happening. So he ha- he came out and gave that little press conference last week. And you can see the market moving. And there, I have this in the show notes. It shows the probabilities of where the Federal Reserve interest rate is. So it's called the Fed funds rate is at the end of this year. So you can look on this chart. It says, one um, a month ago, the future expectations for the Fed funds rate was that there would be two rate cuts. So you can kind of see where the probabilities are there. So you've got thirty one percent and thirty percent at the two rate hikes. Right, that's how you kind of guess where the futures are, and that's based on um, market dynamics, where the futures markets is, and then you look at where now is where it's highlighted. You can see how the probability has drastically changed to just one rate cut there. If you can see that on there, if that's making sense, Fabian. I'm, I'm looking at it. I, I won't lie. I won't say that it makes sense, but I am looking at it. So you just see like the one month, the probabilities are, you see where we currently are? We're at 4.5% to yes. 4.75%. So that's Fed funds, right? So that's where we currently are. And the Fed's going to hike one more time to 475 to 5% because it's a range. They mm. like to keep it confusing. So this is a year from now, though. The market a month ago was saying that we're going to get two rate hikes on the on the most probability there. You see that? Yes. And then you see now, so that's after he gave his talk, you see how the probabilities have drastically changed. Down to the, uh, the 1.6, is that what you're looking at? Yeah. Yes. That's a huge yeah. drop. Exactly. So you're seeing that, and that's what you're seeing is, the known unknown come into it. So you have, oh, maybe the Federal Reserve is being more serious. They're not going to cut rates later this year. But on top of that, we had another piece of information come in on Friday. So we had the jobs report. So it's kind of like this mosaic of information that's coming in. And some things are a lot more important. I would say the jobs report is a very important information that you get on a monthly basis. Also, the the Fed giving its talks and, and kind of iterating to the market what it wants to see. But the jobs report comes out every first Friday of every month. And, you know, once again, known unknown, if it comes in and meets expectations, so you have economists guessing of, of where it'll be, 
then it's not really going to move too much. But if it comes in higher or lower, then that's when the market will move. So this is where it gets really interesting in, in my view is, so we had an extremely strong jobs report uh, come out. So we had 517 new jobs were created and expectations were only 187,000. Wow. So it's almost three times more, right? So that's that's a big jump. And we're in this odd thing where, well, if the economy is too hot, then inflation will continue to rise. And then the Federal Reserve is going to continue to raise rates, which then is cycles back as higher rates are not as good for economic conditions because the cost of money is higher. It's harder to loan, harder to create businesses, harder to generate good earnings. So then that kind of hurts stocks. So once we go back to that little flywheel we were talking about uh, on there with with rates moving and then earnings and then stocks, kind of a little flywheel uh, uh, in there that we've talked about before. So on this jobs report, when we're talking about this 517 jobs versus the expectation of 187, is this new jobs that are being created or jobs that are available? New jobs being created. Okay. Do you think, mm-hmm. I mean, or not do you think, but does any of that, like, how does that factor in with like all of the the tech layoffs that are happening? Like, is that factored into new jobs that are being created? Like the availability of those people? It is. Yeah. So it's a net number. It's a net number. And that, that's a great question. And I, we've talked, we've talked about this briefly before where the tech layoffs is a, is a big headline risk. You see mm-hmm. it in the headlines, but when you look at, and it's always sad that people are, are you know, losing their jobs and things like that. But on a, an economist level, tech, tech employees are a small, very small part of the overall economy. So part of it is when they overhired, they need to recalibrate for their businesses. And then it's still only like 2% of the overall uh, employee population. So it's like kind of, you're, you're kind of jumping ahead to like my next point is, mm. The headlines that we talk about, that creates a really scary headline. Like, oh man, Google cut 10,000 jobs or whatever it is. And I know that's, that's sensitive to us too, because we've got Salesforce in our backyard. They're cutting jobs right now too. So always think about some of our friends and ho- hoping that they're not impacted. But it does. Like when you see layoffs, it is a concerning thing in your head, right? Yes. And, and speaking of like another kind of headline that's like very clickbaity kind of getting on my soapbox is like, you'll, you'll always see debt is at an all time high type of thing. So credit card debt is coming back to pre COVID levels, but it looks really high. If it's, if you compare it to pre COVID levels, then it's normal. But if you just take that context out, you're like, Oh man, credit card balances are really high. There's layoffs coming. Doom is on us. I call it just all time doomerism because it sells really well. <laughs> You know, if I was, if I was like going around running about doom, you'd probably like listen to me for a little bit until like the doom didn't come, but like, you'd probably still click on these articles a little bit more. But when you add context to the debt levels as one assets that are all time high, you have incomes at an all time high also. So income is helping support those debt payments. We have uh, a bigger balance sheet. So assets minus liabilities. Everyone wants to talk about the liabilities, not necessarily the assets. So putting that into like proper context, it's still saying that things are okay. And another classic one to build on that is just like housing is going to implode. So we have a chart on here showing that housing prices are definitely above trend, 
But at the same time, and we've talked about this before, there was a huge transition that happened because of COVID that accelerated things. One, office and, and, and rentals for, for businesses just got absolutely crushed. So the value of those actually kind of transitioned over to housing and suburbs and things like that because one, you know, offices aren't worth as much, suburbs are worth more, but also there was the imbalance where we haven't been building as many homes since 2008 and millennials had finally gone screw it, I'm buying a house. So you can have these things be out of balance for a little while and that's okay, but that doesn't necessarily mean there's going to be like this big, huge crash in a way. Because once again, very easy doomerism kind of headline of housing's up 25%, it's going to crash. Oh, look, it's down 2%. That means it's going to go down 50 type of thing. Right. And that's why, I mean, that's why context is so important. Right. And I mean, I get different newsletters that will have, you know, specifically to Indianapolis where we're based out of that'll just say like, hey, new house, uh, like new house builds are down for another month or something like that. Right. Which if you're not going to read or understand the historical context around, okay, where were we at different points in time, then yeah, you're, you can automatically jump to that doomerism as you're saying. Exactly. It's very easy. And it's just, it's just like human nature to do that. So I'm not, I'm not blaming anybody. It's taken me a long time to kind of take a step back from all those things and be like, well, what is the actual implications? Where, where, what, what's the base rate of this thing? Meaning like historically, what, where has it been before? Is this accelerating, deaccelerating? And just like thinking through things more that comes with experience. I feel like. The one last thing, continuing with the, the known unknown uh, theme we have. So inflation came out on, on Tuesday. And once again, there's there's headline CPI. So we just talked about headlines. But headline CPI is the overall number that everyone sees. It factors in everything. And that was 6.2% over the last year. So that's still coming down. So that that's great. It's coming down from a peak of 9%. That's what the Federal Reserve wants. But then there's also core. So Core inflation, core CPI excludes energy and food. And it does that because those are very volatile as you volatile, meaning it goes up and down a lot. And as you've seen, energy has like really swung up and down over time. Now it's kind of settling a little bit. So if you extract those out, you can get a better idea of where inflation really is. So that's why they do it. And that came in at 5.5%. And this is like one of those reports where you, you can really reinforce whatever opinion you wanted. So there are kind of two camps when it comes to inflation. There's team transitory, meaning that inflation will eventually go away. The supply imbalances because of COVID and the consumer will, will take care of itself. We just need more time, kind of like a snake that ate something that's working its way through the system. Then there's like team permanent. And that's saying like, once you get inflation out of the bottle, the genie out of the bottle, it's really hard to get inflation back in. And we're going to have just really high inflation forever, persistently not falling. So that's why it was like an interesting report to me and kind of going back to the known unknown theme, you can see interest rates moving higher off that report because it thinks that persistent inflation is still a chance. Maybe the Federal Reserve has to keep rates higher for longer. So I've got the two-year government bond, US Treasury in here. It moved up a, a good amount off the report. So you can kind of see the market recalibrating around the known unknown in a way. Man. Which, then, which team are you? People ask me. Yeah. Well, I'm actually in the middle a little bit. So I've been. <laughs> so uh, there's a third team. 
Well, I, I was in the middle. I was in the middle. So I call it team. I think tra- uh, inflation is trans- transitory, but I have concerns about inflation staying higher than 2% over the next few years team. Um, I like that team. I thought it was nuanced. I thought one that the issues with transitory were definitely supply and demand imbalances where people were just stuck at home ordering crap. And, uh, you know, there just wasn't enough crap to go around combined with people <laughs> had money and nothing to do. So I was like, well, people can only buy so much stuff eventually, even Americans. And that'll take time, but it'll it'll go back down. But what was concerning to me is I don't think we're going to get back to 2% inflation anytime soon without a recession. And that's because when you look at the core number, which we just talked about, housing and shelter and wages are a big part of core CPI factoring in in there. And those are not going down. So like the function, the the contribution of those and core inflation is continuing to grow uh, in there. And that doesn't really turn around anytime soon unless you have like a shock like we have with COVID or a recession. So my like one-handed economist view, which is true right now because the cat is on my arm. I've only got one hand right now is I, I continue to think inflation will, will come down, but I don't, I think we'll be stuck at like three to 4% for the next couple of years. And I don't think that's the end of the world. As long as inflation isn't accelerating, if, if people just got used to inflation being 3% instead of it was lower than two for the longest time, but inflation at 3% isn't really the end of the world. As long as it's not going three, four, five, mm-hmm. six type of thing. Like that's what people hate is accelerating inflation. And is inflation ever at zero? Yeah, it can be at zero. Yeah. And like if you have a recession, that is what's called deflationary, meaning and that's that's the Fed's biggest concern, actually. They're not if if you if you ask them, are you concerned about inflation or deflation? They would say deflation is, is scarier because of the consumer habits. So if I was like, hey, I can buy this house for four hundred thousand or I could wait a month and buy it at three eighty. Well, if I wait two months, maybe I can buy it at 350. And you see now I've like put off that purchase that just spirals in a way. So deflation is how you get great depressions. That's how you get the great financial crisis in a way. Inflation is an issue too, but deflation is is much worse. Do you have any other burning questions? Any burning questions? How would you, you were just in Mexico, right? Like, do you pay attention when you travel abroad, do you pay attention to the economy in that country? Uh, I do. So we actually went to Europe and I thought that was a better experience because like when you go to Mexico, you kind of don't really normally leave the resort in a way. But in Europe, I Austin kind of, I think, slightly hates me a little bit because I'll be at the bar and I'd be like, how's the economy, you know, <laughs> type of thing. And last year, it was it was interesting because like everyone was expecting this huge recession in Europe and we were in Spain and France and like I don't know they're kind of like very stereotypical European countries we were like man everyone's a little lazy here but they seem happy um but like asking them they're kind of like yeah things are a little bit higher but like I don't know things are still good and asking questions like that like I love uh talking to the UK tourists because you can talk about politics with them because theirs are like arguably worse than ours. So that's always <laughs> fun. Um, so I do. Um, but like in Mexico, not not as much. Um, that was my best behavior, I guess, if you were to ask Austin. 
Got it. So yeah, you weren't really spending uh, like American dollars for anything or even, you know, pesos or anything like that because you were on the reserve. Not really. Do you know what the exchange rate was? I'm sure I could look it up. Uh, I think um, it's 20 pesos to to a dollar right now. Oh, man. I remember it always was like a 10 to 1 for a long time. No, the US US dollar is really strong right now. Yeah. You got to get out there. So you got to go buy go buy all your expensive goods in Mexico right yeah. now. Or your Bordeaux wine. In Mexico? Yeah. Okay. Well, you can do it. <laughs> your tequila. Get your tequila. Yeah. Um, well, that's all we have for today. As as always, we, we're open to questions. Love answering them. Love diving into those. Please share and rate the podcast. As always, that helps it helps us get a little bit more exposure and more listeners and um who doesn't want that so appreciate your time thanks bye